Welcome to Questions We're Afraid to Ask. All right, welcome back, everybody. We are here again with another question. Real simple, short, and sweet. Who decides our history? So we're going to jump in and talk a little bit about archaeology today um, and, and some of the things that, that have we've been seeing coming up and, and some of the potential changes that, that, that we think may need to be, be made. And so before I do that, and something I didn't want to do is like speak for the archaeologists. And so what I want to read is a, I'm going to read a chunk out of the open letter that came from the Society for American Archaeology that was written to Netflix about Graham Hancock's ancient apocalypse uh, documentary. So I'm just going to read this paragraph here. So after more than a century of professional archaeological investigation, we find no archaeological evidence to support the existence of an advanced global Ice Age civilization of the kind Hancock suggests. Archaeologists have investigated hundreds of Ice Age sites and published the results in rigorously reviewed journals. The assertion that Ancient Apocalypse is a factual docu-series or documentary rather than entertainment with ideological goals is preposterous. If there were any credible evidence for a global Ice Age civilization of the kind Hancock suggests, archaeologists would investigate it and report their findings with rigor according to the scientific methods, practices, and theories of our discipline. If the evidence warranted scientific peer review, we would acquire funding to test it, publish our results, and promote it in our own outreach materials. Contrary to Hancock's claims, archaeology does not willfully ignore credible evidence, nor does it seek to suppress it in a conspiratorial fashion and it goes on it's online if you want to if you want to read it but it really is is very much a there is no evidence to support this so therefore we don't have to address it and i don't think that's the case anymore and even if we haven't found any evidence yet and there let's just say there's not any why should we not have a discussion about the possibility of something that might have existed? Because we know lots of history is just lost and destroyed and yes. wiped out, right? The rarity of something like a Pompeii, where a volcano buries an entire town and preserves it, is so statistically improbable that Pompeii probably shouldn't exist, right? Um, as well preserved as it is. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and, and archaeology, I don't say this to offend any archaeologists, archaeology is a science that's still figuring itself out uh, and, and maturing. And what do I mean by that? Well, we started with a bunch of Europeans, mostly Englishmen, but not all, some Germans and, and uh, others, uh, who decided to go, like, raid Egypt of all its treasures, right? They were treasure hunters, or they were explorers, or they were adventurers. And, and they, they would take notes, and it has developed in lurches and leaps and, you know, all, all of that kind of stuff. Um, not to say that there's not scientific method applied to archaeology. There, there is uh, today. But it's still maturing, and we, we're still finding stuff. And I want to I want to tag on the Egypt thing because um, that's something that I've I've 
watch some documentaries. My my son was is big into Egypt, and so we he every time he gets a chance to do a report, we're like, let's pick an Egyptian thing and research that because he's interested in it. And so, what I find interesting and, and have sort of been pondering on for a while is the idea that like the British came into Egypt not really knowing what it was, you know, when they came in there uh-huh. and just sort of dug everything up and 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 just sort of decided what the story of Egypt was disregarding some of the things that the people in Egypt were saying. Just yes. like, well, no, but we our story is that, you know, while yes, we did, you know, we built the pyramids, it wasn't our technology. We learned how to do it from someone else and they're like, well, that's that's myth. We've just decided that's myth. Just the same as we ignore the king's lists. The king's lists yes. are true up until the flood, but because the numbers before the flood are like kings who lived for 34,000 years, clearly it's not true and it's we just real. disregard it. And and there's a and that's one of the big things that I keep kicking around is that that how arrogant that is. Like and- to to just go, well, clearly because that doesn't make sense to me. It can't be true. And and another thing I want to point out with with Egypt specifically, because you know I've I've studied some ancient languages in translation. You know, we always say, oh, it's the Rosetta Stone because that's what let us understand our you know the the hieroglyphs. Mm-hmm. However, the Rosetta Stone is not a perfect match, and it doesn't apply to all the pictograms and hieroglyphics. Right. So we're making assumptions there. There's stuff painted mm-hmm. on the wall. We have no idea what it means, and we're having to to leap to conclusions. And it's a pair, you know, it's it's a document and a document and a document, but mm-hmm. we don't have the whole last bit of the, the document, so we can't even translate the whole thing perfectly. And even when you go from language to language, you lose stuff. So yes, there's, there's a lot there. Um. And, and a lot of these things we don't even know, you know, even records we have, we don't know how the words were said. These languages are dead. They're dead for a reason. That's because nobody speaks them nowadays and where you have to make assumptions. Uh, and that's a huge part of archaeology is taking fragments mm-hmm. and piecing it together and making a logical assumption. So why not have another hypothesis? That's yeah. And well, why so not here's... talk about it? That's the question, right, for me. It's like, yeah. why is why... it so well, taboo I mean, to talk about? Think about how long, you know, talking about Graham, he's been trying to get someone to to debate him. Yeah. Like, I want someone to challenge my ideas. I think I can defend them. So I would like someone to to step up and, and challenge me on this. And, and so... But I was gonna. Oh, I lost where I was going with that. But but there's there's definitely something something to that about about being willing to defend your thing. And oh, I was gonna say. So looking at this and saying like, okay, because I, I I just recently heard Graham Hancock talking about how he he now believes that the pyramid was built by the Egyptians during the Egyptian time, mm-hmm. which I think is sort of a newer shift in that idea, and it's based on like all the 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 shafts in the the four shafts coming the two out of the king's chamber and the two out of the queen's chamber actually point to stars that line up appropriately for, for the time, time during the egyptian times and so like again let's take the leap let's give it back to the egyptians and say okay the egyptians built it 
okay, but they tell us that the tools that they had to do it with were not theirs, and those are gone, and we don't and, have any evidence of them. Oh, well, hang on. And so what that tells us is that even at 3,000 years ago, if they were using – we'll just call them magic because it's tech beyond our understanding. We'll just call them magic tools. Mm-hmm. Well, where are they? If they're gone and they're missing, and that's only 3,000 years ago, and we and we still can't prove how we even built them, then when we go back 10 and 15 and 20 and you're like, we're certain. We're not even certain for when how the pyramids were built. So how can you be certain farther back? Absolutely. And and I'm I'm a big fan of – experimental archaeology right the mm-hmm. let's try and do it and, and there was a documentary that i watched not long ago about stonehenge and how they could move the stones and they did their best to build a boat of the time frame they think stonehenge was created of the technology they have because they have found boats from about then buried in rivers and mud and yes they had to make some modern sacrifices like because of the time frame they had to do it, like using drills, uh, electric drills and stuff, but they got as close as they could. And they proved they could move the stone that way. They proved they could load it using nothing but, you know, sticks and rope and levers and pull, you know, basic lever and pulley type stuff. So they proved it was possible. Do we know if that's how they did it? No, but we at least know it was feasibly possible. Mm -hmm. They have yet to cut a block as big as the ones that are on the pyramid, build a ramp, say, 300 feet long to a platform, and roll it up on sticks with people. And until I see somebody do that, I have trouble believing it's possible. Well, and, and, and even, like, take a step back from the pyramid and just look at some of, like, the the trilithon underneath it's underneath the oh i want to say it's the um starts with the p parthenon that might be right but there's three giant blocks that are underneath this you know temple i think it's temple to zeus or something like that above it but like those are even bigger than any of the blocks that are in you know, in, in the pyramid and look at the, the unfinished obelisk in the Aswan quarry. Like that's a whole mm-hmm. other thing. I mean, that thing's 12, I think they said it's going to be 12,000 tons or something like that, or 1200 tons. I mean, it's just bananas and they were going to just move it. And, and how, yeah, and how, um, and, you know, and this also comes into like, when do we update the books? Because one of the things right. that I, one of the things that has been a pet peeve of mine is we now know for a fact that humans were in North America well before the 10,000-year Ice Age, which is what I was taught, yeah. and was what was in the textbook when my 18-year-old was in elementary and junior high. And we were going to – I was going to harp on that in this one, but in doing a little bit of digging, I found, well, there's new published data. The, or late, the, or, or the, the earliest I've seen it is from 2016 that now says humans arrived here between – 15 and 30,000 years ago. So I'm like, okay, it is finally beginning to make it into the, the reference books. But I don't know if it's in all of them. I don't know if it's being taught everywhere. And when I say we know that for sure, well, the, the Galt site right up the road in Florence, Texas, 
has stuff that's way older than 10,000 years ago. 13 and there are others, to 16, I think. 13 to 18 to 16, 13, depending 18. on some, yeah. which website I've, I've checked. Um, and we're still hoping to have someone from there on at some point to, to talk about it. Um, but it's not the only one. And I was just reading about um, um, a, a site they found, I think it was in Oregon, where they found scrapers and camel teeth and things. And they dated that back to 18,500 years ago because it was buried under Mount St. Helens erupted ash and they carbon dated the stuff. And it was way older than they thought yeah. it was. And they know the eruption was 15,000 years ago. So, right, you know. There is um, there is substantial evidence that there is more. I mean, don't even get don't even start with Gobekli Tepe and and all and Karahan Tepe and all the and all other the ten or fifteen sites that they found there that are all eleven thousand years old. They were all intentionally buried like a time capsule. But but I mean, regardless, something that I, I you look at someone like you know Carl Sagan, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Um, you know, sort of figureheads of science yes. that that sort of present these things to us. It occurs to me we don't really have a figurehead of history. There's not like an authority. We don't have a real life Doctor Jones. Yeah, but, right? and I and I wonder if that's because when we talk about like when we think about Carl Sagan, they're really focused on. Si planets and and space and you know astrophysics and stuff and, and it's a very narrow i guess it's a narrow oh. enough field that enough people are interested in that that we want an authority and so but i think the, the other side is history is so big that you don't really have one person who understands all of it and so you you have well, I, to defer to the authority i think it's that. also it's also rare to find someone academically inclined enough and eloquent enough and mm -hmm. good enough at bringing these ideas to the layman. That's an interesting mix, right? It and, is. And, 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 and charismatic enough to pay attention to and not fall asleep to. Because I've had right. history professors that knew their stuff inside and out. But my God, staying awake in their class was – nightmare yeah well um, and and what's interesting is is uh, even though he's labeled you know all of the terrible things he is graham sort of is one of those people because he but he's not a historian he's more of a journalist he's a journalist but he, he does says he, is. he yeah. does have a, he does have the gift of gab he does know how to present his story yes, eloquently absolutely. and present it the problem is that you get the the amateur steps in and says, I have an opinion. Yeah. And then some authority person just goes, no. Sorry, and we don't agree with you. And that's just sort of supposed to be it. We also have you know. to address we also have to address the fact that there is an institutional conservatism, <clears throat> which I think is not unjust in academia. We have these ideas, we have money tied to these ideas. We have reputation tied to these ideas. We have prestige mm -hmm. based on these ideas. We sell books based on these ideas. And we need strong evidence to challenge these ideas. Mm -hmm. the, the issue I'm struggling with is it feels like we've found some of that strong evidence. Mm -hmm. And rather than 
talk about it, it's just like, well, that's just an anomaly, so we're not going to. Or, or you do something like they did with when with when they first sort of got started with Gobekli Tepe, which is still sort of the plan. Is well, let's we, you know, it was only hunter gatherers then. Hey, look at this, huh? I guess hunter gatherers could do that. Hang on a minute. You don't just get to change the definition of hunter-gatherer because we found megaliths. That's that's not how that works. Or, or we have to come up with an entirely new paradigm for how culture worked because yeah. that is a – whether it was nomadic peoples who did some hunting and gathering, there is you have to admit now there is a significantly more advanced culture – they had mm-hmm. more calories to spend than we thought they did for free time to carve that kind of thing, and it takes a lot of time and commitment. And, mm-hmm. and we're not digging into, and no pun intended, and addressing that, right? Well, there's there's also a piece to this. So let's let's set up the timeline on this just a little bit. You know, we're talking about the the younger dryas going from twelve twelve eight to eleven six. So 12,800 years to 11,600 years, we go from coming out of the ice age, we get the hard ice spike drop in temperature, it starts to rise, and it starts to rise up a little bit, and then there's a big spike at the end that sort of warms it back up. And so you just sort of this big drop and back up again, it kind of levels off. Levels off. We the, Could have been an asteroid, could have been a solar flare, could have been a volcano. It doesn't really matter at this point. Could have been there aliens. A, we don't know. Who, we, we don't who, know. It does it doesn't matter. All we know is thousand years, uh, around a thousand years of massive climate change, turmoil. We know there was population drops. All the North American megafauna died. Mm-hmm. There were huge, we, we presumably gigantic floods. I think Randall Carlson's probably right. There was a big flood down down the whole uh, western side of the of the, the country. Yeah. Um. But what we get at the end of that is Gobekli Tepe. We know uh-huh. that. It's at the end of that period. That's when it was buried. It was probably built around, right around that same time and then buried up pretty quickly. That just doesn't come out of magic. So yeah. if if we're saying that before the thousand years of turmoil, they were just hunter-gatherers, then how at the end of that terrible time of everybody dying and it being cold and did we suddenly just like magically figure out how to do incredibly complicated things that we didn't know how to do like like carving stones and rising them and doing high relief stuff and there's there's you know alignments to to start i mean it doesn't just happen out of nowhere so there there has to be a knowledge base that's built on which means Uh there had to have been something before and and I and I feel like, and I pull this just from nowhere. I feel like one of the biggest pieces of resistance to this has to be the fact that this is going to break religion. Like if you if yeah. you say that that we came out of a shamanic a shamanic religion pre you know antediluvian religion, and then we you know we came out of that that t- turmoil. That's why there's so much common. You see so many threads of commonality between South American cultures and Chinese cultures and Native Americans and and Africa and Europe. And there's 
there's weird connections everywhere where you're like, why do they both have the same story? That's kind of weird. And, and, and then some cultures share, everybody's got a flood myth, you know, so that's got to mean something. We, we also haven't even touched on the idea that we may need to rethink when we started being human, not homo <laughs> sapien, but, but human and, and technological development in general, because we know there are hominids that are on islands that never touched land. Mm-hmm. And they had to cross deep water to get there. Right. And and that question is, as far as I know, being not in the field, is not even being talked about. Yeah. The other question I have, and this gets into the some of the difficulties of archaeology in the United States and Canada specifically. And this is difficult for me because I have some, some Native American heritage in, in me too, so I understand where they're coming from. There was the 1990... Native American Reparations Act, where we're supposed to give everything back. And when we find stuff, we're supposed to, you know, my understanding of it is we're not supposed to dig in what could be considered sacred, burial, tribal land, historically tribal land. And and there's, you know, unless we find something when we're building a building or something like that, Mm -hmm. then archaeology in the United States is hard to do. So we can't dig really deep, right? Uh, and, and I'm and talking about literal, literally digging deep into the ground. And which brings me to an interesting question, because if the theory is we got over here from the ice bridge, fine. We also know that ice bridge has happened many, many, many times over the, the millennia. And we know that it's in our hominid nature to spread out. Why did... If they, if they lived for hundreds of thousands of years, like we say they did, why did mm-hmm. Homo erectus never make it over here? Or have they, and we just haven't found the bones yet? Because, again, we got to get lucky to find the bones. Let's, let's just be honest. Mm-hmm. Right. What is it? 1% of 1% of stuff gets fossilized? So, it's, so what it is is it's 1% of every – is it creature or species – I think it's 1% of every species is preserved, and we find 1% of that. that. I think that's yeah. the number. So it is entirely within nothing. the realm of possibility. Entirely within the realm of possibility. that We had hominids of some kind running up and down North and South America for tens of thousands of years, if not hundreds of thousands of years. We just mm-hmm. haven't found the bones yet, right? That's really what right. it boils down to. So, um, for example, there were – I think this is it. I'm just trying to find it. Yeah, the Saruti Mastodon site. This was found in November of 92. They were putting in a freeway expansion, and they found some stuff, and they found some bones. And so so we're talking about mammoth bones they found from 130,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. And the problem was is that the, the, the mammoth had been worked. So yeah. somebody had come in, and they had taken out a femur. There were stones nearby that had evidence of like flint napping for mm-hmm. um, for their their that, and there was some evidence that they'd worked in some of the rocks, and that one of the the tusks had been removed and like stuck in the ground like a flag sort of, and it had been left like that. It's under thirty thousand years ago in California. That's that's somebody's here. We very and of course they're like well the 
the bones that are broken that you think were broken are actually because of the tractor. I mean, there's a million excuses why somebody will go and look. Apparently, the guy looked at the pictures and was like, it's not real. And this disregarded it. And it feels actually, like that's a. I, I remember reading somewhere that, and I could be wrong, that they dismissed most of the stuff as modern construction material uh, machinery having done the damage and all the stuff. And that was the excuse they used to say it wasn't real. The Yes. And the like bulldozer and, did the bulldozer did it. Right. Yeah. And the and the problem was, is that when a bulldozer runs over an ancient bone, it doesn't spirally crack. Like, there were a couple of yeah. things where it was there were some experiments also, to see if they if if that could yeah. happen and, and they didn't match up. And it sort of sounded like from my understanding was the person who refuted it was like, huh? No, nope. it was the construction equipment and just read the paper and said they're not right. And that was it. There wasn't any any further investigation, uh, as far as I'm as I as I was aware. Uh, what I was gonna the other thing I wanted to mention is that just recently, um, a group of scientists was were able to deter, find some. They were they found some cutting tools. They were able to microscopically look at them and find out that there was evidence of people doing fiber work. So like shredding bamboo to make ropes and, and things like that 34,000 years ago. Now, this is in Europe. But again, the the most recent evidence we had up till then was about eight to 9,000 years ago. We just pushed it back, you know, 30,000 years almost. Um, there, there has been a, I, I want to say in the last five years, and maybe that's only because I've only been paying attention for the last five years, but it feels like there is a, a growing pile of evidence that, the story that we have been telling is wrong. I don't know what the right story is. I, I think I have a story in my head that I think might be right. But all I know is that story, that story is wrong. We and, civilization and, did not start 8,000 years ago. And to be perfectly fair to the archaeologists, because we've been kind of using them as a punching bag. <laughs> they may have part of the story right. Absolutely. Because there's nothing to say that we haven't collapsed and restarted multiple times, right? Um, we very well could have been on the way on the way to uh, what we would consider an advanced civilization like Egypt, and a massive drought or plague killed most of the people. I mean, we have genetic information that tells us at some point we got down to like three thousand humans, right? Um, yeah. And then we regrew back from there. Um, so and that has apparently happened more in, than once into antiquity, you know, hundreds of that many, many, many times where, and it could have made it been homo habilis or something, but got down to a small. And so that's not uncommon that, you know, yeah. we're the survivors of the, of the survivors, you know, no, and, and, and realistically, historically, the uncommon thing is that we are alone as a hominid. Mm -hmm. That is a. Unique That's... to this time thing. <laughs> it, most was, of, it was most of human history, right? And I'm I'm using human to talk about Neanderthal and Homo erectus and, and all the hominid hominid would, history. What I would call advanced hominids with advanced stonework, right? Most of that history was like Tolkien. You know, we had elves and dwarves and all that. And no, I don't mean literal elves and dwarves, but Multiple species very similar to each other running around, uh, potentially interbreeding with each other, 
We know that happened for a fact because I've got Neanderthal DNA from both sides of my my family tree. You know, mm-hmm. it, 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 uh, the 23andMe test showed it on my dad's side, showed it on my mom's side. Yeah. So we, we know that happened. And Well, and we know there's, there is genetic evidence of a unknown hominid mm-hmm. in, in some – I think it's Aust- Australian and Brazilian natives of those two areas. They both share a, an unknown, you know, another hominid that existed yep. that – we haven't found the bones for yet. Yeah, yeah, we haven't found the bones, but we found its genetic code, which is fascinating in and of itself. Um, so who writes the history, and, and why does it take so long? I think there's a lot of things that go into this. I mean, um, I think it takes a long time because <laughs> schools suck. <laughs> Because it, because they only buy new new textbooks every five years, and I mean, and let's and, and I don't even want to dive into it, but like re, let's remember how long the debate over whether or not we were going to include evolution in the textbooks was. I mean, that was going on when I was in school. So like, and we don't even I don't want to get into it, but like and, that was a chance. And even the dinosaurs, like I was how long? Say, it another took great to, example. Yeah, when when I was young, there were three or four competing theories. And the leading one was not the comet. In fact, the people who proposed the comet were almost laughed out of science. Mm-hmm. And and now we think they're right. I don't want to say we know they're right. We actually I... we actually do know they are correct. There was a, oh. a document. Well, hang on. I'll, I'll tell you. There was a documentary called "The Last Days of the Dinosaur." Mm-hmm. Uh, it was actually fascinating. What they were able to determine is that they 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 happened to find. I think it was out in the Utah area they found some dinosaurs and some other stuff and they were in this one layer and they found this fish and inside the gills of the fish, they were able to find microspherules of different things. Hey, and by anal- layer. Yeah. They, by analyzing those microspherules, they were able to determine that they were, they had particles of the asteroid that hit in the Yucatan. And then they were able to like figure out how long it would have taken the ballistic trajectory to land. And there was yeah. something about the water changing. And so they were able to just go like, okay, this fish died when that asteroid hit the planet. And then they went a little bit farther and they found a dinosaur. And yes. they were like, okay. And, and, and so what that was what, – what, hang on, let me finish. What that was was the proof that the dinosaurs were alive when the asteroid hit. So yes. it doesn't – again, it doesn't fully confirm the asteroid killed them, but they were for sure alive when it hit because they weren't certain of that. Yeah. That was a new thing that they were able to finally determine. And, and we also have evidence with the – I think it's the KT layer that they find mm-hmm. all, all over the world, and, and it's probably – if not true, a massive contributing factor to the why, yeah. as they were at the time they went extinct. But let's not forget that, you know, a chicken is really a tiny T-Rex, right, in, in some way, shape, or form. And if you've never seen – No, no, chickens... a chicken is a pterodactyl. Well, the, but... land, the land dinosaurs died. It's the avian dinosaurs that survived. Regardless. I'm just going to be ever... – I'm going to be picky about if, this. If, you, Sorry. if you've ever watched – a land bird hunt or a group of land birds hunt. It mm-hmm. freaking looks like Jurassic Park, right? It does. And, well, and I, I see this. it every I... time every time I go to the beach when a big bird flies over and you look down on the ground, like it's the outline of a pterodactyl. And you're like, yes. Whoa, that's creepy. Well and, and and you know, my parents have, you know, 
between between six and twelve chickens, depending on you know the health of the chickens and stuff. <laughs> um, and I and they they move around in a pack sometimes, but when you really see it is when you find like a big grasshopper or something and throw it in amongst them. And they just, it's like watching the velociraptors go after somebody from Jurassic Park. I mean, it really is. Um, You know, the velociraptors are actually only like two and a half feet tall and they're covered in feathers. They look like big chickens. They do. They they use that name. And there's another dinosaur that they base the body off of that there's there's a skeleton of at the Houston Museum, which is fascinating. Well, um, and the and the one that killed Nedry with the big thing was way uh, too big. They were supposed to be a lot smaller, a lot smaller. too. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they took a lot of liberties. That's fine. It it's was. I actually movie. saw a thing on Reddit the other day that was a side by side of how much we know now, and it was like uh-huh. the T Rex was quite a bit smaller, and the Brontosaurus was a bit bigger, and the you know the Velociraptor and a couple. But it was just sort of like, wow, we've we've learned a lot in twenty five years about what these things were well, just, and what they looked like, and just stuff. the Brontosaurus. You and I grew up with the mm-hmm. Brontosaurus, and it doesn't exist. It never did. It's the Brachiosaurus. It's the Brachiosaurus. Yeah. We had we had the wrong head on the right on the wrong body, and yeah, um, there were a couple of those early yeah, early on. Early one. Yeah. Hey, I'm going to I'm going to sidebar this for two seconds because this is interesting. Do you know the tongue twister Sally sells seashells by the seashore is actually about a woman named Sally who was one of the first per- people to find fossils and sell them? No, it's I actually no a real person. I know. I learned that in a dinosaur book. All right. Go that, ahead. That's fascinating. Um, uh, all of this gets back to a, a, a dirty little. Dirty little secret in academia for people who aren't in academia that I think is also part of the problem. There are fiefdoms of ideas that exist Mm. and people's careers and reputations live and die by whether they can hold that intact. And I think That is a problem in academia because I don't think anyone should ever lose their reputation because they proposed an idea and they could defend that idea until new evidence was found. Mm -hmm. All you need to do at that point is then be able to, if you're following the actual scientific method, incorporate the new data and Mm -hmm. modify your idea and and say, I wasn't wrong. I had insufficient evidence, and now I need yeah. to refine my idea. And I think I think the reason why that becomes so hard is because when we're looking at archaeology, and I don't I don't want there's a lot of science that is used in archaeology. Uh-huh. There are a lot of tools and things that they do, but in the end, when you're looking at a pot. And you're trying to you're you're making an assumption. You're you're trying you're you're applying a philosophy to that and and trying to figure out what that means. And I think the problem that we're that we run into with that is that you're you've you've created that thing. Like I understand that we're taking you know you're you're taking all the information in, but then you're having to formulate that into a full thing, and then you're you know you're giving birth to an idea at that point, and then we you know we talk about learning is the little deaths because it's all about you have to like you have to 
to let the old thing die before the new idea can come forth. And I think the problem is, is that some of these ideas, they're not babies anymore. They're like teenagers and adults. And these people have been nursing these ideas for 20 years. And what they're saying is you need to shoot it in the head and start over. And people are going, oh, I don't think I can do that. Yeah, I don't think I can start over. I don't think I can accept that, you know, that, you know, blue is red now. And that everything that I've ever, you know, everything I've ever painted is wrong now or whatever. You know, it's a bad analogy, but I, I think everything they're, I they're knew was wrong. attached to it. Yeah. Right. And, everything and I that, knew was I mean, wrong. I remember what that did. I, I mean, I had no career or education or livelihood tied to that. And the, I, I mean, I'm sure you remember the day that I sort of like clicked and was like, mm -hmm. oh, it's all wrong. Yeah, like, you called. You called me, and you're like, "Everything is wrong." And I'm like, "It's all, all right, broken." What, yeah, I was like, like, "What are we talking about?" <laughs> yeah, and, and we went into and, like a two and a half hour conversation, and it was it was a shock, and it's and it's a thing that you have to like, you really do have to go. I have to let it die, and I have to find a new thing, and and, and I and I just don't think they're willing to to let it go, and to tie back into. Your, your religion type thing a little bit. There's a lot of like faith tied into these ideas because there's faith that they're right. And when you find something that challenges that or, or strikes that, whether it's in archaeology or the study of history in general or biblical studies or whatever, it can be world changing because mm -hmm. what did it for me wasn't archaeology. It wasn't a scientific thing. It was when I was in seminary. And there's a, a, a I'm going to paraphrase, but there's a, a, a bit in the Bible where Jesus is baptized. I mean, most people know the story that Jesus is, you know, Jesus goes, John the Baptist puts him in the water, brings him out of the water, and the heavens open, and the spirit lands on him like a dove. And when I was working with my Greek Greek professor, he's like, that's not right. And I'm like, what? He's like, that's not the best translation. That's the accepted translation, but it's not the best one. I'm like, and, and as a class, we're like, what's the right translation? He's like, well, what it should be is the fabric of reality was ripped asunder and the essence of God slammed into him like a falling pigeon. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's different. That's that's not that's not a pretty soft, nice, glowy image. That is, you know, Star Trek wormhole opening up and something just falling, diving headfirst mm -hmm. and hitting him in the chest. Because if you've ever watched a, a bird dive on anything, um, yeah, that that is not that is not floating down like a pretty dove, right? Uh, the heavens open. Well, that that seems like the clouds parted and there's pretty so. That's when I realized. That's okay, what I thought it was. Yeah. Um, that's when I'm like, all right, that's you know, that's that's not right. And then the, another famous one that's interpreted as pacifism. You know, um, somebody asks Jesus what to do if like a Roman soldier strikes him, you know, hits them uh, on the cheek, and he says, well, you should turn the other cheek. Uh, and and the, the more accurate translation is. 
Well, you should pick yourself up off the ground and walk up to the Roman soldier and stick your face in their face and show them your other cheek. Hmm. Civil disobedience. Yeah. Not pacifism. They're different things, right? The, oh, somebody hit me, so I'm going to just forgive them and walk away. That's not a bad idea in general in life. But if someone's pushing you, well, yeah. get back up and walk back up and show them, push. you know, you yeah, not push, push back, back a little bit. but be like, do it again. Go ahead. Yeah. Do it again. So it, 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 it comes in a lot of different things and a lot of different ways. And, and this comes back to we should be okay with asking questions and challenging and ideas I, and having an open and honest debate. And I think we're, you know, I'm not even going to, to dive into politics because we'll do that on another one. But we're seeing that right now in politics and the news and that people are saying, like, I have questions about pick a freaking topic. It doesn't let's matter. And it's just, let's just, let's yeah, just we mention don't, COVID. We, when we, the vaccine rolled out, about it. When, when the vaccine first rolled out, if you went, hold on a minute, I've got some questions. The answer was, shut up, put your mask back on, and take the shot, Mm -hmm. right? And people got deplatformed for disagreeing or asking questions. And and Uh, and some of them have it to go to work. Since we've gone there, I'll say it. Robert F. Kennedy Jr., when the vaccine mm -hmm. came out, said, hey, I read the papers that they they, published studies. This isn't going to stop transmission. Yeah. And so they deplatformed him. Yeah, he was right. He so, was right. So there's something there's something going on where we've decided that we don't want to to talk about it anymore. And and I think and that's been that has been something that has been going on for a long time because I remember when when I was younger and I don't remember who it was, but somebody was going to have a debate with someone who didn't believe in climate change. Mm-hmm. And I remember it being, how could you give them a platform to say the crazy things that they're saying? And and I remember at the time being a kid sort of just accepting that and moving on, but sort of feeling like that seems kind of weird that, like, I understand you don't agree with him. But if he's got a bad idea, shouldn't you be able to, like, show me that? You know, yeah, like, and, I think the earth is flat. Well, let me show you how you're wrong. Like, I can prove yeah. those two things. So yes. so what's going on here? And and I, I can remember a little bit more about the climate change stuff than you can. Because I'm just, again, this is that five-year difference. It's five years. Yeah. I remember when I was a kid, it was global cooling is going to kill us all. Mm-hmm. Then it became global warming. And I still... And I, I, I you know, I think, I think the man was... Spouting out the information he'd been given because he's not a scientist. But I can remember when Al Gore ran for president and was debating Bush, Gore was saying, if we don't make these changes right now, by 2012, we'll be underwater. Florida will be underwater. Houston will be underwater. New York will be underwater. And we don't have a choice. We have to make all these massive, drastic changes right now. And they're not underwater. Now, you and I differ a little bit on climate change in general. And I'm not going to say that humans don't affect the climate. I think we do. Mm -hmm. However, climate change happens, period. We know it for a fact, whether we're here or not. I don't think we do differ on this. No, no, no. But 
where we differ <laughs> is where we differ is how much we're directly impacting. Oh, I, I don't you know. know. I don't yeah, think but we've talked so about I, that before. And I think I think it's a teeny yeah. tiny little bit and you think it's bigger, which is fair. Right. I don't know if it's honestly reasonably measurable. Um, but climate change about happens. that much. Climate this is change how big happens. it is. It's about that much. That much, yeah. yeah. Um, um, and I say it's about <laughs> that much. You know, if it's this big, it's that much. Yeah. But yeah. you know, all of this is moot if you can't talk we, about it. We no. I was going to say if we have no, an event, it's... Uh, if we have an event like when the volcanoes erupted in India and caused a giant mass extinction before the di- yes. dinosaurs, right? Or but you if can't, but, but tomorrow again, you can't... Yellowstone blows. And we're all dead anyway, right? Um, I mean, I remember the volcano went off within the last three or four years, and they were talking. I don't remember what it was, but it was Iceland. like it was in Iceland. Yeah, okay, but it was spewing as enough carbon dioxide to be the same as it was like five years of whatever. And I was just sort of like, why is like if it's really if we were really that close to the end. Why is everybody not just like losing their mind right now? Yeah. Like we just lost five years, but nobody seems to really care. Like what's going on here? And then, and then you start, you know, you again, you, you get into start people start asking questions. So I, you know, I watched a thing where a guy was talking about the the climate models that they use, and he was just proposing the question of why are we not paying more attention to all the things that the sun throws at us? We're only counting one number. There's like five things. Why aren't we looking at all these other ones? And again, I don't know if he's right, but he asked the question. I'm like, it's a fair question. Like, so why can't I ask that? Right. That's the core of our point. If it's a fair question. Right. Why can't we ask it? And you were talking about the volcano. So I just looked up the Krakatoa thing. So Krakatoa yeah. destroyed the island in um, 1883. Uh, the equivalent of a 200 megaton bomb killed 36,000 people and cooled the entire Earth by 0.6 degrees uh, centigrade. Yeah. For like a year, one natural event we had nothing to do with. Well, we haven't been able to cool the earth by almost a whole degree as far as i know i mean it, it there's things that happen we're affecting it and i think yeah. humans are more dangerous to the climate in micro than we are in macro hmm. uh, and if you want to talk about climate change and, and we've got we've gotten off topic though we're talking we have, about history but i was just going to say we'll come back to we'll come, well, i was going to my last point if you want to talk about Serious damage to, damage to climate change. Let's have a discussion about monocrop farming and how that yeah. destroys the environment, right? Yeah. And so That's we can a whole, whole show. On, we'll on do that. a whole yeah, other thing sure. on that. Let's. So so we we got off, but I th- I still think all of that whole thing is these are questions that need to be asked, and I think yes, you know we, we go back to the initial question is. Who writes the history? And I think the I think the big thing is is that it, it's you know the victor writes the history. We've always talked about that. You yeah. know, as a, as, you know, the you only get to write the history. You, you know, we we burned all the libraries down. 
So yeah. all the old history is gone, which is why we don't know how the Egyptians built the pyramids. It was probably written down somewhere. Somebody probably knew. And we well, burned and, it down and lost it. And, and let's just take something as, as, as modern as the Coral Castle, right? We know one dude built it, and he didn't write down how. And nobody has a clue how it was done, right? The, a modern megalithic site in America. Yeah. Um, because he didn't tell anybody and he didn't write it down, but he said he figured out the quote unquote secrets of the Egyptians. And that's how he did it with a pulley and a chain and some logs. And he built the whole thing. And it's just mind blowing. But here's where it gets me. And I guess I'm cynical because I have this attitude. If someone asks a fair question and your response is, you be quiet, you're a kook. I don't have to talk to you. I immediately assume you can't back up your argument. Yeah. Or you lose so the, whether, whether you're right or not, you lose massive mm. credibility with me if you refuse yeah. to even talk to the person and have a conversation. I mean, and, and the example to that would be Graham Hancock recently yeah. did this happen. So there's the 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 guy, I can't remember his name. Who, who put out the press release before Netflix came out and said, I'm will, available to every news organization if you would like me to come and talk about how terrible Graham Hancock is. And I don't even want to get into what he said because it's, it's a bunch of garbage. It was a bunch of lies yeah. and, and slander that I, I just don't even – it's not even worth repeating. Um, but, you know, and Graham said, all right, you, you've said you're willing to come on and talk to anybody about how crazy I am, then come on – Come on, Rogan, and we're going to talk about it, and we'll do it. And and he won't do it. He's he's scared. He won't come and, and talk. So and, he's found someone else, a professional. But but he's in the point now where he's going like, look, I I have a series of of arguments to make the point that I think I'm right, mm-hmm. and I need. And he and I I was listening to another podcast that he was on uh, Mile High or something like that. It was interesting. But he said I I want I want someone who has years of, of, of work in, the, in, in archaeology. I want someone who's actively teaching right now and who knows their stuff. I don't want to talk to some amateur guy who's trying to use my, my name to boost themselves. I, no, yeah. if, if we're going to do this, I want to talk to a, a pro because – He's not the only one because just the other day – and this gets a little bit into politics and stuff again – Joe Rogan put up a massive amount of money if someone would just come on and debate Robert Kennedy Jr. And Rogan's not saying he's right. He just said, look, we'll donate this massive amount of money to charity, and it snowballed. Yeah. And, and the answer is we shouldn't give them the time of day because that legitimizes their opinion. Well, no. Yeah. All you've done when you do that is you've taken people who agree with them and given them ammunition to say, well, those people are wrong. They won't even talk to us. Yeah. So they're obviously wrong. And, and, and we've, we've lost dialogue in this country. We have lost the ability to yeah. disagree and talk about why we disagree. Yeah. We used to have that, and it's gone. It's gone from politics. It's gone from science. It's gone from, like, neighbors. Families destroyed each other over – COVID during the chaos of the two years. Because because no one was willing to talk about it. I mean, I, I, I had issues 
with my family. There were there, yeah. you know, I I was following along the narrative of COVID for a while, and then there was a point at which I sort of the 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 dissidents ran out, and I was like, wait a second, hang on, like this is starting to not make sense, and you start to going like, I read that paper, and that's not true, and that was really when I started, and I, I would say this for anyone, like. If you ever read a news article that quotes a, a scientific paper, read the paper, go yeah. and look at it. If they don't give you the link to the paper, I don't trust the article. If you're not going to reference me to the original thing that you're quoting, I, I don't want to. I don't even care what I, your opinion is. I remember. But the, I, 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 I can't tell you how many times in the last few years since I've really started doing this that I read an article and I read a headline and then I open up the paper and then I read the bill or the the, the, the scientific paper or whatever yeah. it is and you get to the end and you go okay I see how they wrote that and they're not lying but boy are they misrepresenting the point yeah or distorting the truth or, or distorting the truth or, 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 or sometimes idea, blatantly or, lying i mean it's yeah. just like that's not what that really said like if you read this it's different. i can i i remember the minute it clicked for me during COVID because that's and i'm only using that because it's the most recent thing yeah uh, specifically around masks when i was listening <laughs> to a i was listening to a radio show and they asked for experts to call in and somebody called in and said look i work in a lab i deal with viruses it's part of my job and unless you're wearing a n95 rated mask you're not going to be safe from this disease because it doesn't stop it and people right. who are wearing face shields with no mask are you know, that's a joke because do you think yeah. the virus sees the, the, the thing and just stops? If you're wearing a cloth mask or mm -hmm. anything that's not an N95 fitted mask, it's yeah. not doing worn, anything. Worn correctly. That's another thing. Like apparently there is a the correct way yeah. to wear an N95 mask. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, I, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll take it out since we're on this, just talking about this idea like – the big thing moment for me, and this sort of falls onto this about questioning, is that people were didn't like what Joe Rogan was saying. And yeah. I, I still have people in my life that cannot believe that I would deem to listen to the evil and terrible Joe Rogan. And I've been listening to him since for forever. The early days. Just yeah. getting just when he was just getting high with his friends on the radio. It was great. Yeah. But you know, I remember when I, you know, he had a couple of guys on to sort of talk about some things and, and the, the news was really sort of picking up on, on his popularity and realizing that they needed to report on what he was saying. And then, you know, because I follow him, I saw the tweet where he was like, hey, I got COVID and I'm sick and I'm feeling, but I'm better. And I took all this different stuff because my doctor told me to and I'm doing all right. And I was like, oh, cool. He'll be back because he'd been off. He hadn't been recording because he got sick. Mm -hmm. And so I sort of noticed. And then I saw it on the news on CNN and I went, that's not the same video. They've they've doctored the video. They they've like it. made him they've made him look sick. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what's hang on a minute, what's going on here? And it suddenly starts to unravel and you go like, oh, everybody's got an agenda. Everybody's got a point to make. And we're just going to bend the information to however it fits us. And so 
granted, you can say that you could say that to Graham Hancock. You're bending the information to make the point that you want to make. And yeah. of course he is. Everybody does that. Everybody takes the information they have and they 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 apply it to usually okay. to the thing that they think is right. And and hang on. And so what what we have to do though is take this idea that's using the information this way, and we take this idea that's using the information this way, and we just smash them together until we figure out which one's better. And we're not willing yeah. to do that anymore. We, we've got these two ideas, and we just go, I don't like this one. Yeah, but, we've. But and, it probably and, has some good points in it. And and it's hurting us. It is absolutely hurting yes. us as a species, as a culture, as a country, because. I can't even – so I have, a, I have someone who I was friends with for years from college, and we got into a discussion about guns and firearms and whether they should be owned. And I was like – and I finally said, look, we're going to have to agree to disagree on this. Mm -hmm. And they didn't. They wouldn't leave it alone. And yeah. I, every time it was like, hey, how's it going? It would be like – and you need – and it was an immediate like their opinion. Constant, constant, constant to the point where I, I, I had to block them. I blocked them on Facebook. Mm -hmm. I blocked them on my phone. I, I told people not to you know, tell them when I was going to be in town because it was just a constant bombardment. And, yeah. and, and we should never get to that point. We should be able to agree to disagree about things. But if we can't have a conversation, we can't talk about a problem. I, and I think, I, think there are, I think there are levels to this. I think there are some things that you don't talk about, you know, in polite company kind of stuff where yeah. like, you don't need to get into politics, politics over Thanksgiving yeah. dinner and stuff like that. Yeah. Those are conversations that you're like, Hey, I'm going to engage you in a, con in a, in a controversial conversation about politics. Would you like to participate? Yes, I would. Great. And then we, okay, we cool. yell at each other for 30 minutes and we finish and we go, well, you're a moron, but so am I have a great day. We'll talk later. Like that's, that's, that should be how that happens. But what's happened is we've we've lost the ability to do that, and, 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 you know, and we've because we've we've made it so personal. We've attached our identities to our political stances because our political stances have become, and I don't they've become so tied into wokeness and anti wokeness and and team, and, and, and we're sort of yeah. yeah, it's all sort of so, merging and, and together. You know what's interesting? And so this thought just popped into my head. Kind of the, the rise of this inability to have a civil discussion with mm -hmm. opposing viewpoints kind of is it almost the same timeline as when we stopped letting kids hash it out on the playground. Mm. Those two almost parallel each other directly, right? So as a child, we stopped learning how to settle our disagreements, and then still be friends, right? I can do it, but I could also slug somebody on the school playground who called my mom a bad name, and then we were friends an hour later, right? So, 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 so by not allowing children to deal with their physical aggressions or i would say to develop let me let me let me, let me okay, hang on let me by not allowing them to deal with their physical aggression and anger and emotion or no by not allowing them to deal with their emotions physically mm -hmm. 
we've stunted their later ability to be able to deal with their emotions rationally. Yes, and Maybe. I would I would I, I would I would say it a little bit differently. I would say by eliminating a child's natural way of dealing with conflict and disagreement and moving past it. Mm-hmm. Which when they're younger they tend to fight, right? Yeah. Whatever that whatever that looks like. Um, we have stunted their ability because we never allowed them to develop the skill set to move past your mom's fat mm-hmm. to, okay, we can still be friends now after we resolve the your mom's fat problem. Right. Um, however, that's so done. now. So now when I say I hate your candidate. That's just it. There's just yeah, there's you're no... attacking me, and I don't know how to deal with that, and so I'm mm-hmm. just going to lash out at you, and we're never going to talk again. Interesting. And and I don't know if that's right. It could be a correlation, but when you yeah. think about the trends, they match. They're very very similar. I mean, and it and it makes sense that what we're yeah. And at the basic psychological level, we are we are trying to teach children adult rational ways of dealing with conflict they're not there yet yeah they haven't developed that they don't know to sit down and talk it out they have to fight it out before they can talk it out and you know that's and and i think that's that's kind of where we're at right and so now we're at the point where we're you know and so that's where that's where Graham is. Graham has the ability to talk it out, and he wants to talk it out. He wants to talk but it the out. Problem with somebody is, else. no, nobody, no, everybody's still fighting, and and yeah. I and I and I think that's because they know they don't have any ground to stand on. I think I, I feel like that's what's or you know you you back somebody into a corner. It's it's fear. It's fear mm-hmm. of legitimizing someone else's idea, so we're not going to talk to them about their idea at all. Well. Let's also just – I'm not going to – this is not directed at anybody, but if you lose that argument, you're now the guy who lost the history argument. You know what I mean? Like yeah. imagine – you know, in, in the crazy in – the, in the realm of that world of like, okay, you're going to go up against the guy who we've been saying is fucking nuts for 30 years, and he's going to sit down and he's going to ruin you. And now you just have if to he like does. if he wins, you he, yeah. have you have now lost. No, no, but that's the fear. Yeah. That's, that's what I mean. The fear. Yeah. The the fear is that if you lose that argument, then then Graham Hancock has drawn the sword from the stone and is now king, and you're the guy who lost and let him draw the sword from the stone. Right? right. Uh and that's a King Author analogy for anybody who doesn't know what's that is. Um but the sword in the stone is an ancient sonic weapon that got stuck in the sword, stuck in the rock, Everything's and couldn't vibration. be pulled out until someone with the right DNA touched the handle and reactivated the weapon because it was the right, you know, ancient no, 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 bloodline. No. no, it was it was it was an illusion put there by Merlin, who was actually one of the ancients. Didn't you watch Stargate? Right? You know, I mean, oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah you know. Um, but uh, I think that's 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 kind of a good place to to wrap this up um, for tonight. Absolutely. Uh, you know, let's 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 learn to talk to each other. Let's learn to fight and be friends. 
That's what's missing in life. The ability to have a disagreement and still come back and be like, you're cool. Let's play D&D together, right? Absolutely. Or let's go watch a ball game or, you know, you know let's, let's learn to just appreciate the things in other people. And it's okay if we don't agree on everything. We're going to wrap it up there, everybody. Thank you for hanging out with us. Find us on – we're on Facebook and we're on Patreon and we're on Twitter, Spotify and we're on Twitter. Oh, yeah. Our Twitter is – what's our Twitter handle because it's a little afraid bit different? Afraid to Ask. Yeah. It's Afraid uh, to Ask at, oh. at, at Afraid to Ask. And we have I'm a Discord. Put, we have a Discord if you want to throw anything our way. If you find an article and you're like, hey, guys, talk about this, send it over to us on the if Discord. You, if, if you're an expert in something, anything, and you want to talk to us, reach out, right? Yeah. Um, we'd be happy to have you. Yeah. So – Well, we'll see you guys next time. Have a good one.